Hello, my name's Luke, and welcome to Scapegoat, the podcast where we see who gets the blame and who gets away with murder. Karma's an interesting value that a lot of people like the idea of. If you do a positive action, and you put this into the universe, you'll receive something good in return. While there's an idea that people who do bad actions will receive their just desserts. It's a comforting belief that helps people and motivates them to do more positive actions. This leads to people trying to support people in their own communities. So you receive a kindness from a neighbour, and you decide to pay it forward so it benefits more people around you. In the internet age, this has caused for sites to appear where people will support people all around the world with their motivations, ideas, hopes and needs. Together, we will look at a successful campaign named Pay It Forward to support a homeless veteran. So the idea of crowdfunding has existed for maybe the last 10 years, with websites such as GoFundMe, Indiegogo and Kickstarter dominating the market. The crowdfunding model is simple. Come up with an idea you want funded, so for instance, Luke starts a karate school, ask for the amount of money that you want, so I want $100,000, write on the website why you should get this money, I am good at karate, then say, you know, why people should fund it, I will give you lessons if you give me $100, and then you wait back and you wait for the money. And as you can expect from my excellent example, there are wildly different kinds of campaigns with wildly different kinds of expectations. So some offer goods and services, such as my karate school, where, you know, you could write a book or make a movie and people will donate a certain amount just to see it made. Others are to support people more down on their luck, so you might give $4,000 to Dylan so he can buy a new truck. Or 600 euros to Aoife so she can bring her dog to the vet to get a life-saving operation. These campaigns' success vary quite a bit. So for instance, one campaign made by a man called Zach Brown called Potato Salad with a description that simply read, Basically, I'm making a potato salad. I haven't decided what kind yet. And this tickled an awful lot of people. So instead of getting the $10 Zach asked for, he got 55 grand. At the other end, there's campaigns with long descriptions and loads of pictures with like harrowing names like Mom's Hospital Bill or Save Our Daughters. And these tend to, instead of getting the 55 grand you'd expect for a potato salad, would get maybe 3 grand or 10% of their goal. It can be an absolute roll of the dice whether a campaign becomes popular. You need something eye-catching and memorable. To me, it's a little bit like podcasting. I know different podcasts with similar hosts or similar styles of content with different levels of popularity. And these differences can be absolutely huge. For instance, the difference between 50 subscribers or 50,000 can sometimes just be down to something as simple as the font choice you use in your name or the color or shade you have in the background for your art picture. So people say, oh, I wanted magenta and that's fuchsia. So I'm not subscribing to this podcast where two people are talking about Game of Thrones. And then they'll see another one. Wow, that one hits my button. I'm subscribing to that one. You know, it's said by the similar people talking about similar topics, but got the wrong color, people aren't going to subscribe. In the 2017 campaign, it was released on by GoFundMe and it was really in the public's imagination. The campaign was called Pay It Forward and it was by Katie McClare from Bordentown, New Jersey. The picture it had underneath the campaign was one of a very pretty young woman 
standing beside a grizzled looking homeless man with a huge beard and hair on the side of a freeway and underneath this there was a message. This is Johnny. Driving into Philly one night, I made the mistake of thinking that I would be able to make it all the way down the I-95 with my gas laden on. Needless to say, I was wrong. I've never ran out of gas before and my heart was beating out of my chest. I pulled over as far as I could, got out of my car and decided to head to the nearest gas station. That's when I met Johnny. Johnny sits on the side of the road every day holding a sign. He saw me pull over and he knew something was wrong. He told me, get back in your car and lock the doors. A few minutes later he came back with a red gas can using his last $20 to make sure I could get home safe. Now Johnny didn't ask me for a dollar, so I couldn't repay him at that moment because I didn't have any cash. But I've stopped there at his spot for the last few weeks and I've repaid him for the gas and I've given him things like a jacket, gloves, a hat, warm socks and I even gave him a few dollars every time I see him. I wish I could do more for the selfless man who went out of his way to help me that day. He is such a great guy and talking to him each time I see makes me want to help him more and more. One day I stopped to see him and I had a bag with a few things to give him. One which was a box full of cereal bars. I had just to give him something he could carry around and eat. He was very appreciative as usual. And the first thing he said was, do you want one? Another time I dropped off two Wawa gift cards and a case of water. The first words that came out of his mouth were, I can't wait to show the guys. There's two other guys he hangs out with and they all take care of each other. If just those two statements alone do not give you a glimpse at his good heart this man has, well, I'm not sure anything will. I'm raising money for Johnny. With the money, I would like to get him the first and last month's rent in an apartment, a reliable vehicle and four to six months worth of expenses. He's very interested in finding a job and I believe a place where he is able to clean up every night and get a good night's rest, he'll be able to be normal again. Truly, I believe Johnny needs one little break. Hopefully, with your help, I can be the one to give it to him. Please help this man get into a home. It's already getting so cold in Philadelphia, and I can't imagine what it will be like to be out there all winter. Any little bit will help. And she was asking for $10,000. So you can imagine, this is quite like a heart-rending story. You know, a young lady stranded at the side of the highway, saved by a complete stranger. And a lot of people reacted very like positively to it. But initially, didn't get really a great deal of traction and hype. But a lot of friends of Kate were saying, wow, you know, this is an inspiring story. This Johnny guy, great guy. And, you know, within four days, she'd raised $700. Now, $700 isn't anything to sneer at because most GoFundMe campaigns get no money. So getting some money is good. But, you know, four days, she probably was hoping to get a bit more for Johnny. But, you know, she was just thinking, hmm, maybe this isn't great. But from her conversations, they began to reveal more and more information about Johnny. So Johnny had been talked to by Kate and her boyfriend, Mark D'Amico, and they updated that Johnny was a former veteran, a former firefighter, a former worst responder. So, like, he had a lot of things that would attract people, but he had given it all away due to substance abuse problems and had become homeless, sleeping 
underneath a freeway in squalid conditions surrounded by used needles. Now this began to be reported by the very local press and within a week that number had jumped up to $1,700. And Kate uploaded a video to YouTube where she showed a delighted Johnny the newspaper clipping explaining about their campaign to get him money and he said, wow, $1,700, that's a life-changing amount of money. But something wonderful happened that the clip on YouTube became viral and Kate began to be interviewed because of the viral clip by different TV shows such as Good Morning America, ABC News, even BBC News in the UK. And, you know, all of these were broadcast in the United States or even inside Europe. And by the second week of the campaign, the number had exploded from $1,700 to $200,000. The page at the end of the day asked, for an end to donations. Johnny has asked me to please stop accepting donations today. He is beyond humbled by the amount of support and love he has received over the last few days. He said instead of donating to his campaign to maybe take a second to search for another worthy case that for whatever reason hasn't got the attention his has. So although he asked to close it they kept the campaign open and this humbleness had the opposite effect with the amount almost doubling in three days. So Johnny was just below $400,000. And Kate and Johnny continued their media blitz being interviewed. Johnny revealed that he was no longer homeless living on the streets. Instead he was staying in a hotel. And there's video packages of Johnny going to a barber and getting his hair cut and being groomed. Although he did keep his long beard. Kate updated the GoFundMe soon with new info. The first thing on our list is a new home that Johnny will own. He will never have to worry about a roof over his head again, said McClure. There will be two trusts set up in Johnny's name. One designed to provide him a small annual income, the other managed by a financial planner for his retirement. And for daily expenses, a bank account will be set up to help him until he finds a job. Finally, they promised to get Johnny his dream car, a 1999 Ford Ranger. And the next week, even after that, Johnny updated the page himself, saying that Kate and him had bought a house, so he now had a permanent place to stay. Everything was looking positive for Johnny, and he was getting a fresh start that many people wished to give him. He was even saying, like, Kate was being a good friend to him and teaching him about emojis, so, you know, people could see, like, a budding friendship between D'Amico and Johnny and Kate. They were all getting on great. And on the 11th of December, at $402,000, the page was closed, accepting no more new money. However, Kate, who had stopped updating the GoFundMe page, instead you started to use a Twitter handle, at GiveJohnnyAHome on Twitter, and they began to share pictures, for instance, of a shared Christmas with Mark, Kate and Johnny, all in one piece of pyjamas, smiling at cameras, giving off a family Christmas vibe. And like more photos began going over the Christmas period. But updates started to slow down as 2018 progressed. With pictures of Johnny Herrera. Although the three seemed to be hanging out together in New York in a picture posted in April. Many journalists around Philadelphia still maintained an interest in the story. Trying to keep tabs on Johnny and the couple to see how events were progressing. So it came as a shock to many 
when in early August a journalist came across a dishevelled looking Johnny panhandling on the I-95. That's right, Johnny was being forced to beg. Johnny revealed to the Philadelphia Inquirer what had happened. The once warm relationship between Johnny and the couple had dissolved into acrimony. The couple's promise of a new house, two trusts to benefit and a lawyer had never materialised. Instead of buying Bob at a house, they had bought him a camper van to sleep in, which he stayed on the couple's property. Instead of giving him a dream car, a 1999 Ford Ranger, they gave him some cheap second-hand SUV, which quickly broke down. Both vehicles weren't even registered to Johnny. They were registered to Kate McClure. And she said the reason this was, was because she was terrified that Johnny would sell them and use the money to buy drugs. So all the money was withdrawn from the GoFundMe account and instead of putting put it into a neutral account, it was put directly into McClure and D'Amico's bank accounts for safekeeping. The couple were only releasing $500 at a time for Johnny to live on. Johnny began to wonder about the couple's spendings as within a very quick time of the end of the GoFundMe, they'd visited Las Vegas, Florida, California, New York, and you know, Kate was only a receptionist Mark was a mostly unemployed carpenter, so where was the money coming from? Kate and Mark had also been trying to get Johnny to go to rehab, and were annoyed when he ended up giving her an excuse refusing. So Johnny stayed in his SUV that day, but later he saw a new BMW being delivered for Kate, and Johnny said the reason that he, they wanted him to go to rehab was so he didn't see the vehicle be delivered. Johnny also said Mark had become a gambling addict, and he was terrified that Mark was blowing through not only his own money, but Johnny's money. He said in June, after a disagreement with the couple, Kate sold the camper van, which had been in her name, for $10,000, keeping the cash and kicking Johnny out, making him homeless. And, you know, this was a brand new camper van, which she had bought for $27,000. She sold it for ten after four months. So you're getting less than 40% of the money. That's some dive many were horrified by the story and the philadelphia journalist stated they had noticed a worrying trend of spending on kate's social media stream which they had been monitoring ever since getting an anonymous tip-off kate was seen with designer handbags some by louis vuitton which would cost thousands of dollars they also noticed kate bragging about helicopter rides across the grand canyon front row tickets to see the book of mormon on broadway she had pictures of her taking limos to posh hotels. It was clear something wasn't right, and lawyers soon stepped in, representing Johnny for free, while GoFundMe said they would launch an investigation. The couple soon fired back, though, saying they hadn't spent any of Johnny's money, and they were just looking after Johnny's best interests. As a heroin and opioid user, they were terrified of Johnny overdosing. They said they were keeping the money away till Johnny got a job and went to rehab so he wouldn't end up killing himself. The couple refuted the spending allegations as well, saying the trip to LA for New Year had been funded by the Ellen DeGeneres program as a way to say thank you to Kate for writing a blog about her experiences, which she put up on Ellen's website. Other expenses they claimed were within budget. The BMW had been second hand and the other trips had been saved for. They had bought Johnny the camper, not because it was cheaper, 
but because he had told them it was his dream to drive to Alaska and live off the land and they thought here if we buy him a house in New Jersey or Philly he'll be stuck here so we'll get him a camper so he can move whenever he wants. They also claimed that they had sent up a bank account for Johnny and had deposited $25,000 into it. But Bobbitt had spent all this money within two weeks, mostly on drugs. Now, Johnny Bobbitt had admitted he had got this money, but he claimed that he hadn't spent the money on drugs. Rather, his family had poor living situations. So, you know, he got $25,000 and thought, here, I'm going to give this back to these people. And I'm going to make sure my brother's okay and my parents are okay. And here, it's only $25,000. I've still got like three hundred and seventy-five. You know, I'll just use that for myself. It doesn't matter. And, you know, the couple withdrawing money from Bobbitt and keeping it away, he began to get more and more angry with them until the confrontation that he left. And Bobbitt claimed that the couple overall in the period of time that he had been with them had only given him about $75,000 of money. And this included the SUV and the camper van, which they had sold and kept the money for. And his lawyer decided to sue to gain access to the rest of the money. Feeling they needed to defend themselves fast, in late August, Kate and Mark appeared on the Today Show with Megyn Kelly. To a mostly sympathetic audience, they claimed that they were victims of a bad situation and were trying to look after Johnny. They claimed that they had given Johnny over $200,000 of the money, but still had over $150,000 in a bank account, which they would still give to Johnny. They agreed to have their money forensically accounted for to give Johnny, down to the last dime, every penny he deserved. And, you know, after agreeing to this, the audience and Megan were actually quite for the family. They had sold them the story that, look, Johnny's... A bit of a drug-addled mess. We're trying to look after him, but, you know, we can't give him this money because, like, you would have us on the show for the same reason if he died, saying you irresponsibly gave this man this money and you killed him. How dare you? You know, it's better to kind of, like, be hated for keeping the money till he's safe than, like, risking him dying. And a sobbing Kate closed out the show, claiming that she would support Johnny again if she had the choice to do it, but had received death threats from people saying that they would burn down her house and burst into tears. So by this point, the audience 100% behind her. And, you know, the public was starting to be a bit swayed. They're thinking, you know, maybe Johnny is just some like dodgy, drugged out guy. And this couple were trying to help him. Maybe these accusations aren't fair. So there was really two camps. Some that thought Bobbitt was paranoid and the couple were looking after his best interests. But a lot of other people kept saying, you know, just follow the money and see where it goes. These guys are spending money that they clearly didn't have. This isn't receptionist money. Something's fishy here. Bobbitt's lawyer was suing in court to get the money off the rest of the couple. The way it happened was he went, the, his lawyers went to the judge and the couple's lawyers went to the judge and they were just discussing how much was left. And eventually the judge came back to Johnny Bobbitt's lawyers and said, I'm afraid Kate and Mark's legal team say there is no money left. It had all been spent. So the $150,000 they had told Megan Kelly about a week before? Up in smoke. People were now after that firmly against Kate and Mark. And GoFundMe promised to refund Johnny the money after an investigation showed how much money they'd stolen from him. One week later, 
the police raided Kate and Mark's home, seizing mobile phones, bank records, electronic goods, and Kate's new BMW. The circle was closing, and people were wondering how close the police would come to recovering Johnny's money. So things went quiet when the police went very CSI investigating, following the numbers, following the money. But after two months of investigation, the police announced their finding. And to the shock of most people, three arrest warrants. One for Kate McClure, one for Mark D'Amico, and one for Johnny Bobbitt. The Burlington County Prosecutor said the entire GoFundMe campaign had been predicated on a lie. Johnny Bobbitt had never hate Kate McClure on the side of the I-95 when she had needed gas, as she had never broken down. The entire story had been designed to pull on people's heartstrings and make them believe they were helping a homeless veteran who had done a good deed. When investigating the couple's devices to look to where Bobby's mom and me had went, they came across the real story. The couple had been about $10,000 in debt a month before the campaign and were looking for a way to pay. They both began to notice Bobbitt on the side of the highway and, you know, after discussing him, they typed things like they wished they could give him things like shelter, clothes or even a Nintendo Switch. A month later, the campaign was launched from Kate's phone. She had given Bobbitt money and asked for a photo, but not had told him anything about the scheme. So she had launched this about 7 o'clock in the evening thinking, here, hopefully we get this money. And within an hour, Kate's best friend had texted her asking her about the situation because she advertised it on her Facebook. And Kate admitted the gas part was totally made up and she just needed something to make people feel bad. A few days later, Kate admitted on text the story was made up to her mother. Her mother basically said, take the campaign down now. People go to jail for scamming others out of money. So take it down now, daughter. You're really crossing the wind. But Kate's like, my mum thinks I deserve to go to jail. Go away, mom. Now, to this point, Bobbitt hadn't been informed that the campaign had taken off or was even in place. He was still just a random homeless guy who had run into Kate and Mark on a few occasions. But Kate's friend warned her, as the campaign began to take off, People would start to look for Johnny and see what had happened to him and had he got the money. So the scheme would unravel if Kate and Mark didn't soon contact Johnny and bring them on to their side. So soon after this, they called up to Johnny on this freeway, got him into a car and recorded a YouTube video where they pretty much showed him the money, showed him the newspaper and said, are you on board? And Johnny was like, look, you know, I'm homeless. I will take money that you're offering me because I'm in a really bad place. Sure. And they soon realised that we can't leave Johnny outside if once we're on 20 grand. So they put him up in a hotel and began to think, here, we can use Johnny to actually boost the campaign. So they took Johnny on their media blitz onto like, you know, different programs saying, this was the homeless guy. Look how humble he is. And the money kept climbing higher and higher. And... Things got even better for Mark and Kate because they were contacted by a literary agent who was interested in the story and it would seem that within a year they would get another huge payday for people buying the book rights and a year after that they might get even more money for the movie rights. So if they could hold it together they would get a huge payday. So the only thing they really needed to handle was themselves, their spending and Bob it. However, by the 9th of March Less than four months after the campaign had ended, 
Kate texted Mark saying, I can't believe we have less than 10 grand left. I'm so upset now. They had blown through almost all of the money. But they held on to hope for the book deal. Mark texted back, You'll be laughing about the hundreds of thousands that you blew, just like the 45k you blew, or the 15k. So it's clear that the couple hadn't blown money like this before. Huge amounts of money in small amounts of time. So within a couple of days, the couple started to get more and more annoyed at Johnny, as he had refused to go to rehab. And the couple were looking for a way to get the public off their back. Kate said, At this point, People just keep looking for the rest of the money. But, you know, fuck him. Fuck him very much. The money's ours. So that's her direct quote. Fuck him very much. She thought, like, we've only got 10 grand left. This is our money now. But with Kate ordering a BMW and Mark gambling online, the rest of the money disappeared within days. And the couple was completely broke. They began to pawn items. And, you know, they soon were forced into the position that they needed Johnny gone. And the easiest way to get money and have Johnny Dill gone is just to sell his camper van to try and move him on. And that way they could get 10 grand out of the camper and that might keep them rolling till the book deal. And they might try and get Johnny sweet again then. Their plan didn't seem great, but they were like, here, just keep things together. So with Johnny homeless, the couple planned to give him some remaining money for him to get on a bus. So, you know, once he went across the country... Hopefully the potential story would disappear because they knew it was a big story in Philly. If he somehow ended up in Cleveland or ended up in Sacramento, the story might disappear. People say, oh, a homeless guy disappeared with a bunch of money. Imagine that. But they were talking and they were saying, look, we'll put you on a bus. And Johnny was saying, you know, I'll get on a bus with my brother. Don't worry. Can I just bring my brother with me? You know, everything's fine. And they're like, fine, we'll give you money, get the bus. But, just when they were negotiating this, a drug analyst Johnny was approached by a reporter who recognised him. And Johnny and his state said that Kate and Mark had mishandled his money and this led to the huge controversy. So as the media storm hit, the couple revealed via text that they had agreed a 50-50 split with Johnny for the money, but they didn't think that in his drug-addled form that Johnny remembered the deal that they had made. Now, at this time, there was a lot of infighting between the couple, with them both blaming each other for the spending, and Mark saying that, like, oh, look, you spent 40 grand on BMWs, Disney, bags, Vegas. You know, this is crazy money you're spending, and she's like, you're a gambling addict. So they're kind of tearing each other apart, and they're also trying to, like, get Johnny gone. So... In the last gasp effort after Megan Kelly, Mark reached out to Johnny and said, look, if you drop your lawyer, we'll drop ours, we'll write you a check and you disappear. But Johnny ignored this. So with the police having a clear paper route, this was proven fraud. So the second that Johnny talked to the media, really their fates were sealed and, you know, the police raided, they got the phones and there was just definite proof to what had happened. So what happened next? Well, Kate was quickly suspended from her job and the couple ended up evicted from their own home. Both posted bails of $50,000 or rather 10% of that, so it was five grand each, and are on trial for theft by deception and second degree conspiracy. Now these crimes carry sentences between five and 10 years, but they're both out in bail and 
the, these haven't exactly started yet, so we'll update you to what happens to these two. Now, Johnny was released on terms that as long as he got a job and stayed away from drugs, he would be okay until the trial. But he was supposed to attend court to kind of prove he was off drugs, and, you know, he didn't attend. He broke his bail by not turning up. So he was arrested in Philadelphia on the 22nd of January this year. He was sent to New Jersey on the 28th of January this year. And he's going to drugs court on the 22nd of February. So Johnny is now in jail because of skipping out on bail. None of these people look like in a terribly good position. And in December, GoFundMe refunded the original 14,000 backers all their money. Apologising for the scam. And you can imagine like them being like, oh God, just make this go away. Make this go away. This is the worst publicity. Here, here's $400,000. Just, just please stop talking about the story. GoFundMe is a legitimate organisation. Please. That's the story of a GoFundMe Kickstarter. But just talk about what we think. And what I think about this story, which I find really amazing, is I kind of always wonder how complicit John A. really is in this. Because he's homeless. And then people turn up and say, we've got money. And it would be difficult for someone, I'm in an okay position where I've got a house over my head, I've got a job. It would be hard for me to reject that amount of money. And for a homeless person, you know, there I think there was almost no way he could say no to that. And, you know, Kate and Mark just chose him. Just, they saw him and they spoke to him briefly and they thought, oh, he'll be complicit in our scheme. And they hadn't even, like, agreed this out with him until, like, seven days into the GoFundMe. Like, this was clearly awfully thought out. Because, like, you know, one of the first payments that they made was, like, eight grand back to Mark's parents and a grand back to Claire's or Kate's parents. So, like, they were in debt to their family for about $10,000. So, this campaign was just like, pay back our parents. But, you know, they didn't seem to think anything out. Because, you know, parts of it, they're talking about trying to buy the guy a Nintendo Switch. Like, a homeless guy a Nintendo Switch. Other parts, they're just like, oh, here, we need the money strictly for ourselves and we deserve it. And, you know, I just kind of feel sorry for Johnny because he did campaign to get money in a bad place but you know i think he was a position really hard to say no while they were in a position where they were just straight up scamming so i hope that kate and mark get far worse sentences than happens to johnny and i also have to say i'm kind of completely shocked by kate and mark's spending now the police never revealed had Kate and Mark given Johnny seventy-five or two hundred thousand dollars, but looking through the expenses, I would believe that they maybe gave him seventy-five, maybe a hundred, but they've blown through about two hundred fifty thousand to three hundred thousand dollars in four months. On like, tat, and this is just what amazes me, like. There's people who would just like, it's a chance of a lifetime scam. And they blew it in four months. Like, I'm not saying what they did was a good thing. I actually disagree strongly with what they did. I think it's deeply immoral and a bad thing to do. But I think just 
buying handbags this sort of holiday online gambling like they had nothing to show for it like even if they had bought Johnny a house and they had bought it in their own name and they kept it and they chucked him out after a few years again horrible immoral thing to do they would have at least been able to have that house and they would have at least been able to put Johnny under shelter I mean that would have been so much better but they just blew it and you know they thought here we'll get the publisher to steal and like the publisher could have given them 20 million dollars I'm sure within a year they'd have spent that all on absolute useless tat like I'm thinking Louis Vuitton nice handbags took the New York here I'm not going to say no to a holiday here I'm going to Prague at the end of the month the difference is is probably my one holiday I'm going to have this year maybe two I'm spending something like 300 quid in the entire thing while you're spending like you go out to Las Vegas like free with the Ellen DeGeneres show and they're putting you up in a hotel and you still somehow spend seven grand that's absolutely obscene to me I just I, that's just the part of the story I don't get you know the entire thing's orchestrated and you know they could have so simply got away with this I feel that like it was immoral I just want to say that there but you know they didn't really seem to think this out like if they had just dropped all the updates because that's one of the things they said they wish they had stopped updating the campaign and keeping an interest alive if they had just given Johnny a plane ticket to Alaska and give him a hundred grand in cash and said don't ever come back and he was far away you know that might have worked out better and they kept the majority of the money but these really self-entitled people they thought that they could spend the money and help Johnny somehow and you know they really did the worst thing for him I just want to say that you know Kate for one person like she reminds me very strangely of a quote by the 80s wrestler Ric Flair who once described himself, and I'm going to quote this about Kate, as a Rolex-wearing, diamond-ring-wearing, kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, limousine-riding, high-flying, jet-flying, son-of-a-gun, and I'm having so hard time keeping these alligator Louis Vuitton bags down. Woo! So, this was a story about this, if you think who's scapegoated, all the people who use Kickstarter. Kickstarter is basically like Patreon or GoFundMe. All these things are based off trust. The people trust that you will actually give them something for their money. And, you know, breaking down that trust, that doesn't just help hurt them. It hurts people who see my daughter needs a new kidney or my mum's medical bills and say, can I trust this? Is this a scam? So I think this is the lowest of the low because if you look at the climate at the minute, there's a lot of people who might potentially need that money for medical or like, you know, a lot of workers in the US missed out a month's pay. I think they've got it now, but you know, the amount of people who might have been starting GoFundMe's because they're like they spent all their money at Christmas and they really needed that paycheck. You know, it's kind of really, really disheartening to me that like they could ruin that. I mean it's the same as Patreon. The Patreon's just something that I kinda of have a really love hate relationship with it. And, you know, I kinda of like the idea that you can pay creators for this and like I sponsor different creators at different times like at the minute I'm sponsoring five different ones but for me you gotta keep such a high standard on Patreon 
and you've got to give people what they want or you're really letting them down because you know if i'm making a podcast the minute you know the way i think of it i'm just making stuff for you to listen to and there's no obligation and i'm not asking you for anything you're just like a friendly person listening to it or if i suddenly made a patreon in my own head and i know a lot of people wouldn't think like this but you suddenly become like almost like a customer and you know that's not necessarily a bad thing but for me i would just be like here i want to give you your money's worth and you know that's one of the reasons i've never actually started a patreon i'd like to kind of like get a schedule going so i'd say okay this podcast comes out every tuesday or every second tuesday or some point that people could say oh this is reliable content and you know for anything like pay kickstarter or patreon i think you have to be so careful i think you have to make reliable good content and that's just something i feel very deeply about so maybe if you see me saying oh six tuesdays in a row i'll start off with patreon but up to that point i know a few people have asked but i cannot wouldn't see that as a good way of making money now one of the people i do support on patreon is a youtube channel which has just started called triple jump and it's two guys uh, ben and peter and they're just trying to make video game uh, <laughs> related YouTube content. And I find them funny. But going by the age demographics who listen to this. Most of you probably won't. It's, it's pretty much the equivalent of a Saturday kids show with swearing in it. But one of the things I find very funny. That they actually have on their store which they're selling. Because another way that people make money is merch. And you know they'll say buy my t-shirt, buy my mug, buy my poster. But what they're selling is like... A woman's one piece bathing suit with their logo on it. And like they're not really selling t shirts or normal stuff. Just one of them is like a one piece woman's bathing suit with their logo on it. And that's the kind of thing which is just obscure enough that I really want to monetize and sell. So Scapegoat won't sell t shirts, they won't sell mugs. But damn it, if I can find the same suppliers as them. I will bizarrely sell $35 on like swimsuits or something because that would just really, really amuse me. So, okay, this has been Scapegoat. I've been Luke. Uh, yeah, again, listen to the C-Word, listen to Disaster Artists, listen to uh, Not Another Fake Newscast. As you can probably tell, I've been trying to record this a few times and my voice is really gone, but hopefully you appreciate the new microphone. Yeah, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but like, you know, when you're trying to record something for four hours and then you reach almost the end and you think, here, this is the end. But, you know, you just think, no, I didn't like that take. One more time, one more time. So it's quarter past 11 at night. I'm going to listen back to this and hopefully this is good enough or that will be take five. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Um, Hope you enjoyed this. Hope you enjoyed the last Darius McCollum episode, which is great. I made a small series on my YouTube channel called Philosopher Fox, which is kind of like a piss take of, you know, kind of YouTube videos with like animal icons telling you stuff about politics. Uh, yeah, I mean, you might find it tickles you, you might find it doesn't, but here you can go have a look at that. I'm going to put up a second episode of that soon. So I've been Luke. I hope to put up content soon. Talk to you later. Bye bye.